Welcome to Old School. Mark Thompson here. Nice to see you and everyone. Alonzo Bowden, always cool when Alonzo joins. And Steve O. I mean, Steve O. Amazing. Great to see you, Steve. It's your lucky day, Mark. Yeah, it is. It is. This is a... this is the trifecta. So, uh, you know, last time we did Old School, I think Alonzo was on. And it's really great to have you back, Alonzo. And I saw that you're going back out doing live shows. And I, it brings up a ton of, uh, of questions from our end. But where are the live shows you're going to be doing? I'm going to be at the Tempe Improv, which is a phenomenal club. And what they're doing, the way we do live shows now, the club's limit the uh, audience, you know, usually it's about half full or whatever. They social distance the tables and they, they actually measure six feet between the tables. And I'm not sure how they do it in Tempe, but I've done a few others. And what they do is you buy a table and you can have one, two, three or four people at the table, but you sit with the people you came in with. So you, you wear your mask, you sit down, you can eat and drink at your table, you know, and then you put your mask back on. Now, I've heard Arizona isn't the uh, strictest place on masks, <laughs> but I'm pretty safe because, you know, sta- the stage is a natural social distance, right? I'm, I'm automatically more than six feet away from you. So, yeah, I, I look forward to it. The energy of doing it live is what I miss. Everything from social distance club to drive-in theater to outdoors on the beach um you know part on rooftops the creativity of performing now is finding places to perform that's the first you got to come up with a joke then you got to come up with somewhere to do it (laughs) yeah like breaking into show business wasn't hard enough you know well that's what it's like it's like you know uh this this month makes 28 years for me so this is like 20 six 27 years ago when we'd be sitting around saying well you know tuesday night there's the back of a coffee shop off hollywood boulevard then wednesday night there's the bowling alley in reseda and then if you're lucky (laughs) friday you get to do the lobby at a holiday inn in victorville so (laughs) that's that's where we're at you know it's like hey wow you got a a beach i'll trade you a rooftop for that beach show It is wild. And I guess they've, for them also, uh, in Arizona at this comedy club, what's it called again? Sorry. The improv. It's the the improv. improv. So for the improv, like this is not their first show either. So they've now worked out the kinks to a degree, I would think, if there were any, as you say, they, they have the social distancing measured. It's, it's gotta be interesting for them. And there's a lot riding on them having it right. Yeah, the clubs are, well, you know, they're trying to stay in business. I mean, this is a a tough time all across the country for clubs. So the ones that can open are doing the best they can. The other thing that's great, and this is really cool, the audiences get it. Like the audiences know these are weird times and weird shows and they roll with the punches and, and they play along and they have a great time. And that that really helps, you know, so they, they understand that things aren't going to be like a usual show. That helps a lot. I would think you have to do like a whole, obviously you want to talk about, and your stuff is topical anyway, you talk about COVID-19, but there have to be chunks, I would think, I don't know if with your act or other acts, where you're going to go, well, that just isn't going to work here. It's just too light given the environment. Or once you do the COVID stuff and everybody's kind of, 
in the rhythm can you just do any material you you want? You know, you could do any material. Some of it you have to preface with, remember when we used to do this? <laughs> Think back. You know, one of the funny things about, about this period, and I don't know how it is for you guys, but time has lost meaning, right? Like, I'm, I'm not even trying yes. to do a bit right now, but it seems like, you know, doesn't it seem like last March was five years ago? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it just, so, so it's kind of funny because when we talk about things, it may not have been that long ago, but it seems like forever ago, you know, like, like coming up is Valentine's Day, right? Like guys will finally have a legitimate excuse for not taking you out on Valentine's Day. Like, baby, I love you and I don't want to kill you. So we're just going to stay home and watch Netflix. Because No, normally I'd go all out, but you know, I don't want to kill you. So we're just going to watch Netflix, right? Guys are, guys are like, Please extend the quarantine for two more weeks if you could. <laughs> uh, I see uh, Steve O has this sort of romantic life on Instagram. I follow him on social media. And so you, that's the other thing. You lose track of when that happiness was. Was it was that during COVID those people are that happy? Or was that a vacation they took before COVID? Yeah. So COVID has been, for my family, a pretty good deal overall. And I say, I feel kind of bad saying that because I know people are suffering. But for us, my wife and I both have jobs where we can do from home. So that's good. And our kids are old enough where we can just ignore them. We don't have to take care of them the whole time. But my friends who have young kids, they're having a just the worst time right now because these kids need constant supervision. But for me and my wife, my kids are late teenagers. They want to ignore us. We ignore them. It's great. To be fair, Steve, you've been ignoring your kids even when they were young kids. <laughs> <laughs> your kids seem to really this love you, though. It, unless they just fake it for Instagram, you seem you guys seem to have a pretty uh, tight family. We're we're pretty close. Uh, uh, my kids, my my girls are 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 wonderful. So we're a very close knit family, and um, you know, working from home has for me been a great advantage. Uh, seeing them a lot more uh, than I usually would. We have a lot more family dinners. My wife, you know, she works usually long hours, but now that she's working from home, we can have lunches and dinners together every single day. So it's been pretty good. And luckily for us, we've been healthy. We haven't, no one's gotten sick. Uh, I've done some traveling and I've gotten COVID tested about 11 times so far, and they're all been negative. So we've been super lucky and very, very fortunate. Steve, can I yeah. ask you something real quick? Mark, I don't mean to interrupt, but I, I really want to know. So you're talking about Instagram and your family, and you said you have teenage daughters? Yes. Okay, so teenage girls are pretty much the masters of social media, right? They're the yes. best. So do you have any problems, or do they have any problems with their dad being on social media, or do they like, do they go to TikTok and other forms to stay a step ahead of you? You know what I mean? Like, cause, cause yeah. Is it embarrassing to have dad on Instagram? Like, like, let's look at Kellyanne Conway. There's a family that has right. done social media the worst possible way, right? So, yes. so what's it like with you and your girls and and so on? You know what I'm what I mean? I I totally hear you. So my girls have been pretty good about social media, at least far as I know. Who knows? Maybe they have secret accounts where they do things that are inappropriate, but I'm not aware of it, so it's all good. Uh, what I see, I'm fine with, Brian. they've been pretty cool about me commenting on their posts periodically, but I don't comment very much because 
they don't want me to comment. It's embarrassing for dads to be involved in any way. So I try to stay out of it. it it's wild to see them. I, I didn't even think of that. That's a great point that you could have a whole stealth profile on social media that you wouldn't even know about. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Like some parents are very vigilant about kind of monitoring their kids' social media usage. I was like, I'm not even going to try because the more I monitor, the more I drive them to doing things that are secretive. So I established this whole system of trust long time ago. And hopefully, well, it, to me, it looks like it's working. If they're, if they're really good at deceiving me and, you know, they're acting in a way that makes me think they're being good, but they're being evil, it's okay. I don't care. As long as I have peace of mind, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, it seems to me that they're always like, the younger generation has to have at least one or two platforms ahead of the older generation. You know what I mean? Like, yes. like as soon as we figured out Instagram, they were like, well, can't use that anymore. The old people have it. You know? It's <laughs> totally <laughs> true. Yeah, it's, it's like, totally true. Like anything, once you figure it out, they're like, well, we got to come up with something new because the old people have figured that out. So I always figure there's a whole, there's a whole communication going on that I know nothing about. And, and you know what? It's none of my business. <laughs> like like so, that's that's there. What you know what I mean? Like Mark, uh, you know Mark. If you and me pop up on TikTok, there's going to be like a creeper alert throughout TikTok. <laughs> It'd be like, oh, two creepers just wandered in. They have no business here, you know. <laughs> so that's great. So it's totally true. And um, my my mom, God bless her, is she's great. And I. I put my parents on my cell phone plan so I, I take care of their bill. So one month I get this alert saying that I have far exceeded my monthly allotted amount of data usage. And I look, it's, it's my mom. So I contact her and I, and I tell her, hey, you're using too much data. And you know what are you using it on? So she's watching a bunch of YouTube videos. So um, I tell her, hey, you know, cut down on that. The videos create a lot of data usage. So the next month, I get the same situation. I get this huge bill. Uh, my mom has far exceeded her data usage. I tell her, hey, what are you doing? And she tells me that she's not watching any videos on YouTube. She's only listening to them, okay? And <laughs> she just didn't understand. So I was like, you know what? I start to explain to her that it's the same thing. I was like, you know what? Forget it. Like, mom, watch whatever you want. Listen to whatever you want. I just put her and the whole family on the unlimited plan because it was just cheaper that way. But it's funny, you're right, like like the younger generations, I'm far ahead of my parents' generation, and of course my kids are far ahead of me, you know, like I don't quite get TikTok, and they told me that Anna Kasparian is going viral over some old clip that she posted, uh, actually someone else posted of her, it's an old clip that she had done many, many years ago that someone posted recently that went totally viral, it's her whole rant on on religion, and my girls are like, oh, we know Anna, and she has four million views, and blah, 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 and I, I can't keep up with TikTok. I have no idea. They're, yeah, they're it's funny. I city. saw that punch through when yeah. it punched through Twitter, which, you know, I'm on, you know, that because it's, uh, you know, again, it's not a newer breakthrough medium. But yeah. And then Anna was responding. Mm -hmm. uh, I forget exactly what she was saying, thanking people or saying something, whatever it was. And uh, that that's when I saw that rant. But yeah. Uh, but what what. It's interesting about all these things, I think, is that the anxiety, I mean, it's not always there, but the uh, importance, the self-worth, the anxiety maybe that's associated with how many people watch your videos, how many people like your pictures, your posts. You know, there's that on Facebook, there's that on Instagram, uh, TikTok, and all across social media, 
if you go to medium, it doesn't matter where. Those things that are associated with, you know, the thumbs up, you're either getting or not. Unfortunately, that can determine a lot of, you know, sort of how you, uh, in the worst case scenario, maybe teenagers, et cetera, see yourself, but even as adults, uh, but also, you know, where that sweet spot is of opinion or a, a post that's, you know, salacious or whatever it might be. You, you begin to see how social media can pervert both the way you think of yourself and the anxiety surrounding it, and also those things that you post because you want to get a reaction. Yeah, it's totally true. Uh, there's a whole new set of like social currency that's operating among young people that we never dealt with as a kid growing up, right? So now when they post something, uh, they kind of measure the number of likes, um, but it's not just the number of likes, it's the number of likes within a certain time frame of posting that matters as well, and who likes it, and there are certain expectations out of your circle of friends. If you're a super close friend versus a casual acquaintance, you have to make a comment on that post. You can't just like it, you have to comment on it. And the comment has to have a certain level of substance. It can't just be a heart emoji. It has to be like three heart emojis, right? So, so there's that happening, and it's a complicated system, but you know, uh, it definitely quantifies everything, you know? And that quantification, I think, does increase anxiety level and the permanence of it, right? Because you can't just, if you, if you post something and someone responds negatively, well, now that's there for all of eternity. You can't just forget about it and move on. It's hard, much harder to. So there are very different social rules at play for, for kids now than what old timers like the three of us went through when we were younger. Well, when it started out, you know, with Facebook, um, I always said that Facebook was like high school, right? You had mm -hmm. the popular kids and you had the nerdy kids and you had maybe the jocks following sports or, or whatever. Then it did get ugly, right, with the bullying and, and things like that. But another part of it that's really, I think it's, it's something wrong with it, is being judged by it when you do something else. For example, like with comics, you know, yeah, how many likes you get, do they laugh and all that's great. But I worked with, I did an event with the um, LA Press Club, and they were saying that reporters were being judged based on the number of clicks they got. Because we were talking about how come they had to cover every crazy thing Trump said. And they were like, well, you have to, because if you don't get the clicks, you're being judged by your, you know, the press, by your job, which I think is a big mistake, right? And then the funny thing, Steve, when you talk about the permeance of, of these comments and posts, everyone seems to understand that except the United States Congress. Why do Congress people not understand <laughs> that when you put it totally. out there, it stays out there? Like, like they, they just can't figure it out. Like, do not post it. It's going to be there. But, um, <laughs> well, but all kidding people, aside, I, I yeah. think that's the, the good and bad of it. But it's there, if you have a profession, like, I don't want to judge my doctor based on Yelp. Yes. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, but and, it's interesting. Like you could go to your doctor and feel really great about your doctor, and somebody go, "Hey, did you see what uh, you know, Doctor Jones posted on Facebook about?" And then fill in the blank of the thing that's offensive to you, and it's like, "Whoa!" You know, it's like the. It's also the those Capitol Hill crazies. All of them just couldn't wait to post, and it's through those posts that they've now been tracked down. And those posts have a permanence. There'll be jobs lost. There'll be hopefully prison time done. 
I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, the ripple effects of social media are insane. Right. And but they're they are just what you call them. They're the Capitol Hill crazies and them. I'm not worried about and I'm glad we find them. But but the more professional people, you know, I was joking about Congress, but we've seen that over and over with politicians. It's like if you're a politician and you post something, that's public knowledge. There is no private side to being a politician, but you should be smart enough to know that and not post it, especially now. I mean, it's one thing, okay, we find a post from 15 years ago, but we're finding posts from, you know, two months ago. And if you're not smart enough to know that if you're a public figure, they read everything and everything will always be there, then maybe you should lose your job or, or whatever penalties involved. Yeah, it's well, interesting. Well, in fairness to a lot of the politicians, they're as old as my mom, so they don't understand how all of this works. Um, they're confused by it, and uh, they have to le learn their lessons the hard way. Um, but yeah, it just, I totally agree with you. They have, in my opinion, no right to privacy in that regard. In fact, the whole point of these posts is to reach as many people as possible. So then you can't say something like that, then say, well, that's not who I am. I mean, that's exactly who you are. You just, <laughs> you just did it, you know? Most obnoxious, lamest po politician trying to be funny across every platform you can get on and social media, perhaps the the apex of that lameness, I think is Mike Huckabee. I mean, it's just a profound belly flop every time he gets on social media. Really, Mike Huckabee? Yeah, I, Mike Huckabee. I have Mike Huckabee. Oh, well, I, I mean, he's not relevant now because his <laughs> star is faded. But I think his uh, they gave him a they gave him a show. They gave him a show on. You know, he comes out, plays the guitar, and, you know, brings on a guest like it's The Tonight Show. Um, that on this sort of offensively lame, uh, the strength of these offensively lame bits and posts that he does. I'm sorry. I think Mike Huckabee, if you go, uh, not that you ever would, but you look back through social media, you'll see, uh, you'll see that I'm right about this, Steve. I, trust I, you. I remember. No, I remember some of those posts, you know, and, and again, that's like the comic who isn't funny who's just going out to be offensive and and the crowds know it you know people pick up on it when it's like oh this isn't a joke this is real racism this isn't a joke this is real misogyny or whatever and he one of he was one of those and you know who's that who's that guy now is Ted Cruz Ted Cruz keeps doing these things and then trying to act like he has a sense of humor and it's like Ted Cruz doesn't have a sense of humor we we know that and so when he posts something, and like you said, Steve, the excuse, that's not who I am. It's like, no, that is exactly who you are. Uh, similarly, when they do deep dives and excavate some post for someone who, you know, who you know isn't that, you know what I mean? Uh, it might be a commentator. You know, we have friends, all of whom have, you know, uh, what about this post from 11 years ago? Um, it's a... Uh, uh, that you feel is sort of the unfair, but nonetheless, sticky part of social media. You know, you have to own it many, many years after you really should have to. Well, I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, there are people who've written and said things in the past um, that they 
have long ago disavowed. And for that to come back and haunt them, I think, is unfair. Uh, if they have already disavowed it before they were, quote unquote, caught. Now, if you don't disavow it until you get caught and claim that's not who I am, well, that's bullshit. Like, I have no sympathy for you. But if you said something in the past, because look, I'll admit it. When I, when I was in college, I was, a, I was a Republican and I was a bit of a right winger. And I thought very, very stupid things that I have long ago disavowed. Um, I was, you know, I would say in retrospect, I was a homophobe and probably misogynist, right? Like, because I bought into the teachings of the church because I grew up in the church. So I bought into all of that. I've long ago disavowed all that nonsense. Um, so I don't think I've written anything. There's no social media back then. But if something were to surface where I said, yes, I mean, you know, I oppose gay rights. Well, I've long ago disavowed that like decades ago. So that would be fair. But if I had written that last month, I can't now claim that's not who I am. Well, that's who I am now, right? So Steve yeah, is I just, think, uh, con, con, yeah. sorry, I'm just going to, Steve has just confessed the fact that he was just half a click off of being a QAnon follower <laughs> many years ago. Yeah. There may be hope for the Qs yet. No, the funny thing is, so, you know, I had I held these stupid beliefs in high school. Then in college, when I met other people and there's critical thinking involved and there was this one professor and she and I would argue about, you know, gay rights. And as I was arguing with her, I'm thinking, I think she makes more sense than I'm making. Maybe she's right. <laughs> and, and then once I started to not believe in the church's teachings, the whole thing crumbled away. And, you know, and then, uh, and then hold, hold the thought. We've got mm -hmm. a break. We've got to end this episode and move right on to the next episode, which will be a continuation of this episode. I know it's a whole matrixy thing, isn't it? All right. So thanks for joining us. TYT.com slash. Oh,